Welcome to God's Lemonade Stand. My name is David, and today we have Yaling joining us once more, this time to continue our series of outreach. In the past few episodes, we've talked about building a foundation for outreach, silent outreach, inreach within the community, and outreach in school and or work. We encourage you to go listen to those if you haven't yet. And today's topic is outreach on a personal level. But before we do that, let's start off with some praise and worship. Beautiful. I love that song. So now in our next segment, we're going to have a story brought to us by Michael Nazario. Awesome. I've been looking forward to this all week. As Christians, we're called to evangelize to the people around us, and that especially goes for our family. Generally, I see people very eager to go to South America to spread the gospel, but oftentimes they fail to recognize the spiritual need in their own households first. In some ways, it's more difficult, because there's no safety in anonymity. We're more afraid of the reception that we will receive from the people we care about than the people that we just meet. We have to see these people every day. We know a lot about them, and they know a lot about us. And they know about all of our faults that might make us feel unqualified to talk to them about Jesus. The best way to combat this is simple. Follow the words of the Bible. 
Being a good example for your family challenges us to truly live every day for Jesus, not just when it's convenient for us. In time, they'll recognize you as someone who has a close relationship with Jesus, and that opens a lot of doors to plant the right seeds. There's a close friend of mine. Let's call him John. I knew that spiritually, there was a struggle in his life. Many times that I felt the need to talk to him, I didn't, because I didn't feel like I was qualified to do so. I prayed for the courage to talk to him about it, and when I did, it was remarkably easy to open up the conversation. I listened to him, and God gave me the wisdom to help guide him on a spiritual journey. Many times, you don't need to preach a sermon. Just listen, and let God's love shine through you. We have to recognize that we have been given a direct connection to the people around us, and we can oftentimes reach them in ways that other people cannot. I mean, I take a bullet for anyone in my family without question, but admittedly, I get scared when God asks me to speak to them about the gospel. I prayed a lot, asking for all the right words to say, but I remember James 1 verse 5, which says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So that's what I did. When we surrender our minds to God's will, he will give us the tools that we need. Before bringing the gospel to the far reaches of the world, bring it home. It takes time, love, and comprehensiveness, but it's always worthwhile to obey the still, small voice. Instead of being overcome to say the right things, be overcome by God's grace so that his love spills through our words. Hey guys, thank you for joining. I'm here with Matt. He's a worship leader at our church, someone that I've always looked up to, someone that has kind of brought me out of my show with personal worship. So we're just going to ask him a few questions today, get to know him. Uh, let's get right into it. So first, what's your favorite worship song or a song that really speaks to you right now? Yeah, I have, it's, a, it's an ever-changing list. I really recently, and I would say this week, have been uh, diving into Waymaker. It was a song I didn't really like at first. There was something about the way that the bridge went that just, it, it irked me. But the more that I, I listened to it, the more that I reflected on it and I saw different versions of it, mm. I really began to, to like it. Um, but a, a favorite worship album album of mine, one that's stood for a really long time, has been Psalms Volume 2 by Shane and Shane. It, to me, is a beautiful blend of like scripture and really, really well thought out melodies that they've placed together and to complement one another. And if you get a chance to check it out, like it's, it's one of my favorites. I listen awesome. to it often. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. And then how long have you been playing guitar? So I started guitar when I was 11 years old. So that would be 19 years. Wow. And I, I started guitar because I loved Cowboys growing up. Not the Cowboys, but I'm, I'm an Eagles fan football-wise. Uh, so anti-Cowboys. Um, but no, I, I loved like the idea of a cowboy riding their horse, playing the guitar. And... So I begged my parents to buy me a guitar. Please, please, please. Because I started on piano when I was five. So I played the piano for a long time. And I'm like, please let me play the guitar. And finally, they got me this my own little guitar. And so I started playing it, started learning out of a, a little book. 
And uh, for the majority of my life, I've been self-taught. I did take some lessons here and there, but really the sum of my experience with guitar and uh, the experience I've had with praise has really brought me to where I am today. Awesome, awesome. Mm -hmm. So you play guitar and you play piano. Are there any other instruments that you play? Yeah, a couple. <laughs> um, so I started on piano when I was uh, when I was five, and then I, and I always forget it. It was either five or six, but I think it was five. And then the trumpet, I began playing around the same time as the guitar. So I picked up the trumpet, and then uh, the guitar, and then the French horn. And the French horn is actually the instrument that's made me the most amount of money. I say that because I got a college scholarship for it. So I played it all the way through the end of my college years. I've picked up a lot of other instruments along the way, hand percussion. So the cajon, the, um, the congas, uh, a djembe. I have a couple African drums called djembes, which I really love the, the sound of that. Uh, I can play a full drum set uh, if need be, bass guitar. Uh, and we'll, we'll stop there. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I have an a instrument collection that's growing. Like, oh, that's more. so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a one-man band. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so is there anyone in your life that you feel inspired you uh, to become a worship leader? Yeah. So I've had some really great mentors throughout the years, uh, specifically when it comes to worship. There's been people that I've watched from afar. So um, Nick Zork was a is a guy that an individual that I know um, from Andrews University. He was there before me, and I just have been able to observe his style. So he had an impression on me from afar. But really, um, coming through high school, I was really involved with worship, but never a leader. I was more just instrumentalist. I would help sing, and I was in the choirs. Uh, but when I got to college. I was a small fish in a big sea. <laughs> so even though I, I volunteered different places, I never really got the opportunity to be a part of a worship team my freshman year of college. And so I actually did PowerPoint presentations where I could. I was the PowerPoint guy for a long time. So I would just run lyrics for different praise teams and I would just be as reliable as possible there. But there was one guy who um, he needed an extra drummer. And at the time, I mean, I had practiced a little bit. So I'm like, hey, I can, I can drum for you. And uh, his name was Nick Snell. And I just, he kind of took me under his wing and taught me a lot of what he knew as a praise leader at Andrews at the time. And eventually, uh, I was able to interact with some other musicians, get on some other praise teams. And then one of the chaplains, I would say it was my junior year, really encouraged me to start leading at some smaller worship venues and, and things around college. So I did. So I started uh, taking on whatever I could. If, if I was asked, I would say yes. And I practiced so much. I was so nervous all the time. I, I would just be in my room running over the songs over and over again. And still when I would uh, get up, I would probably lose my words when I was trying to introduce a song or, or I'd forget the lyrics if, if I didn't have them. So there's a lot of harsh moments for me, uh, but really uh, Nick Snell and, and the chaplain Jose Bourget pushed me out of my comfort zone to the point where I really began to interact then and study with other worship leaders. And so it went from being practice, practice, practice all the time in order to increase my proficiency to really understand the true heart of worship, which is 
understanding that every single set is an opportunity to engage with God, which to me is one of the most beautiful aspects of worship because it's actually prayerfully approaching music in a way that's that's saying, I want to invite the Holy Spirit as a part of this process. So how can I do that as a praise leader that joins people together? Because music is a very common language. Uh, and, and more than just joins people together, that joins them together at the throne of God, pointing everything towards him. Um, so yeah, I think those two influencers really pushed me into the direction of understanding a little bit more about what true worship is. Amen, yeah. And then a question that's kind of related to, to what you were getting at in the end there. Um, why do you think worship is such an important part of inReach inside the church? Yeah, I, I, and I, I love that question because like church is not a location, right? Church is a body of believers. It's a community of people. And music, uh, you know, if we're talking about music for the purpose of outreach, right? Like you can go to a nursing home and you can play hymns that the, the people at that nursing home know. And doesn't matter if they know you, they know the music. And so there's a common bond there. And it's the same thing within the church, right? So a really important aspect of being a praise leader is understanding who your congregation is, who your community is. So that while you're thinking about the music, you're choosing songs that you know speak to their heart, but that's only one small aspect of it, right? Because music at its core is just one piece of an overall worship service. And so the power of worship is the fact that God has sent us another helper, the Holy Spirit, that can be so influential um, in not only choosing the songs, but also in how we gather together, like I said earlier, at the throne of God in worship and awe of him. So to me, music, I believe, is a beautiful piece of, of inReach because it's such a common language that when you really do open up yourself to receive the Holy Spirit so that you're ministering not only to the congregation, but you're ministering in a way that's drawing people closer to God, people feel that. Uh, and, and even if somebody might not be in a great spot with God, I think in that moment when you're with a group of believers and you're not thinking about worship from a very selfish consumer type of way, what am I getting out of this? But when, you're, when you, you feel the power of the Holy Spirit, and you feel God's love through that, you can't help but put up your hands in worship. And, and I think when people visit a church that's intentionally approaching music from that perspective, that it's a part of the collective and that, and that we are trying to have a selfless, humble heart of worship, I think you can't, just help, you can't help but be drawn to something like that and want to be a part of it. And, and I think... No matter where people are at, that's something they can relate to, which is why it's such a powerful tool for inReach. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so last question here. <laughs> Do you have any powerful testimonies of just times that you've let out worship? Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's been a couple. Um, I'm actually going to share two. I know we talked before this and 
And I said one, but there's there's two moments. No so <laughs> one was at a summer camp out in northern Idaho called Camp Myrden. It was the uh, camp chaplain for a summer and one of the worship leaders for praise. And it was family camp. And I remember this summer was, um, there's a lot of tension at the camp because there was a new director. And so there was tension between the staff that were there under the old director and some of the new staff that were brought in by this new director that, that knew her. And that tension, I think, could be felt throughout the summer. There was moments of conflict. But during family camp, we started to see the staff really start to, to gel together. Now, family camp at this camp happened at the end of the summer. So there was a lot of things that needed to happen up to this moment. But I remember it was a Sabbath, uh, sorry, a Friday evening. And we were putting together a concert for the family campers. And we chose one of what was our gym. It was a, like a carpeted multi-purpose room. Uh, and we set it up for an evening worship service. So we had an agape feast, and then there was kind of a prayer thing after the agape feast. But then anyone that wanted to would be invited into this space. And we put up candles, and while preparing for that, I had no idea what songs to choose. I didn't know who was going to be a part of it. And so it was just a prayerful, you know, me and a couple of the musicians, we just prayed, Lord, show us what we're supposed to do. And we did a combination of music and took a couple breaks to have some testimony. And what was supposed to be a one-hour block of time ended up a three-hour block of time where there was singing. And eventually it just got to the point where it was, it was just voices at the end, just singing for 30 minutes, common songs. And, and you could feel the the spirit so thick in the air you could you could see those those tensions start to break down between staff members and to me the power in that was that again it took people who were at conflict and it put them all in a similar space and it broke them down in a way that we were all just worshiping in that moment it, it was all equals in that and to me that was a, a powerful moment in music and then one more. Um, there was a time where I was asked as a pretty young praise leader to help lead out praise for a series that happened at Andrews University called This Is My Church. And the speaker who had flown in um, was you know, a, a pretty big name Adventist speaker. And I just remember feeling so overwhelmed because I'm like, you know, what if people don't like it? You know, I started to think about me in, in throughout all of that. And I actually had the opportunity to connect with the speaker beforehand. And during that time, I don't really remember the specifics of what he said, but I remember leaving that meeting thinking 100% this is not about me. So let's just look at it from a biblical perspective, right? How are we going to craft the narrative of each night via the music, right? How is how, how are we going to theme out these songs? Because I knew there's going to be people coming from all over. There's going to be old, like conservative people there. There's going to be young, uh, more on the progressive side. And they all wanted different things. And to me, I just kind of threw up my hands and I said, Lord, speak to my heart. 
and let's do this. And so I spent hours more in prayer and every night it seemed like no matter how much we prepared, God came through and what I was thinking was going to be the the moments, the high moments actually ended up being completely different and God took it and turned it into something that this group of people coming from all walks of life, again, it broke down those barriers and they were all one worshiping God. And to me, it was such a beautiful moment because you could feel everyone singing at the top of their lungs. And, and when you feel, you know, 1500 people just singing because they're, they're so in love with Jesus and the, the Holy Spirit is so thick there. Um, that's how you know that as a worship leader, you've done something right. Uh, and again, at the heart of worship, it's selflessness, it's humility. And that's why, that's why I keep coming back because <laughs> it is stressful. Um, and the thing the devil tries to attack musicians primarily through their egos, like by comparison, comparing ourselves to other musicians. But those two moments were really powerful because there was no ego. There was no self. It was truly worship, a heart of worship where it's longing for a deeper, closer connection with God. This has been quite a series talking about outreach. I'm really looking forward to our upcoming series on showers of blessings. Yes, please tune in next week on November 14th to continue to share with us as we begin our exploring our new theme, Blessings and Thanksgiving. Bye! Yes, Jesus, love.